0: It's um it's like how Fred you know how in Harry Potter Harry Potter can't die cuz his mom was so sad oh. about loving him that's yeah. why he has the gun his that mom killed Mom was
1: him. so sad about loving him
0: isn't that that's
1: a really good description die. of what happened that is isn't that you have you have boiled down the essence of seven harry potter novels into one beautiful line of dialogue i feel like that's what those books <laughs> end up being anyway that's why you know he has how harry potter can't die because his mom, <laughs> his was mom so loved him so, love him so him. goddamn
2: much and was so sad
1: yeah. i wish that's I why he
0: quit you that's why he has the gun joe chill's gun in his chest but right? it's a similar effect <laughs> Podcaster nerd here first about whatever we decide it's about this week. And this week, it's about the best stuff of the first half of 2022. We're all here to run through our top 10 anything of the year. I'm joined by Deepak Chitness. What's up, Fred Neighbor? Hello. And I mean, I'll say it if no one else. It will one of the top 10 podcasters on this podcast of the first half of the year.
2: Oh, hey, I'll take that,
0: <laughs> Jackson Trey. <laughs> It's my all crowning right. achievement. So, we've each put together a list of just stuff that came out this year that we enjoyed, and we're going to buzz through. I'm starting with number 10, which is our least favorite of our favorites, and we'll all work towards our number one, which is our most favorite of our favorites. Uh, we'll pause along the way to kind of give commentary on why we liked it, why we think other people might want to check it out. Um, and and share thoughts with each other on it. Um, but we will try and move through them at a sort of brisk pace. Uh, the good news, I would say, this year is that we get to start out with something that I think everybody's heard of. A lot of times I think we get a little esoteric on this show, which is our whole thing, right? That's why we're here, is to get esoteric. But, Jack, you're, you're giving mm-hmm. the people an olive branch with your number 10.
2: Yeah, so I wanted to uh, start off, like you said, with something a little more well-known, and I feel like as... The resident uh, sort of math person i i had to call attention to that time at the start of the year where everybody got really obsessed with information theory uh and we all played wordle which was the it was i, I suppose just technically a video game or maybe just a game um it's actually uh a sort of family of games for, for anyone who is unfamiliar. The point of the game is that a secret word is chosen, uh, sort of like hangman, but by a computer, uh, one word every day. And you could go onto the website and try to guess the word. And if you guessed the correct letter, it would tell you how many letters you got right. And it would tell you if the letters were in the correct position in the word. And you had to use that information to try to figure out what the word was in as few guesses as possible. Uh, it became a bit of a phenomenon, not just. it was
0: incredibly addictive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a fun game. So it, it's it's sort of a um, board game, I think, originally uh, where you would guess colored pegs uh, and a human being who you were playing with would have to provide the information for you. Um, I've also seen it played with with numbers and the digits of the number and, and in this case with words um, it's it is a very fun game uh i think what popularized it more intensely though was definitely the sort of social media response especially on twitter where people uh claimed bragging rights for lack of a better word over guessing words quickly Uh, i I remember seeing a tweet of somebody like finally it happened and then they tweeted out that they got it on the first guess (laughs) Uh, So there's a lot of fun to be had. Uh, It all came crashing down when it was then acquisitioned by the New York Times and everybody went, all right, and then stopped playing. (laughs) Uh, But it was a good time while it lasted. And I'm glad that everybody got to have some fun thinking more about how we can use uh, information to learn new things, because it's not always as intuitive as you would expect.
0: It also either I think the th- the game theory behind it became really interesting too. Like I remember Fred Deepak and I were sitting in a bar and Deepak was like hitting us with his 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 main strats.
2: Mhm. Yeah. Oh it's like interesting you got like, to have, have a word
1: you got to have a launch word every day mm-hmm. And standardize mm-hmm. your process.
2: Sure. And it's interesting how sure. The more you play, you'll realize that, like, guessing a word where you get none of the letters can be more helpful than one where you get some of the letters, because that eliminates a lot of options. That's more true in the colored peg version of the game, where there are fewer choices for each uh, letter, quotation marks. With 26, you really have to eliminate quite a few before you can narrow it down. Um, but yeah, I I just hope people realize that they don't need a website to play this game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's your big takeaway. hmm I like it. Well, uh, so we're going to go from Jack's number 10, which, like we said, is something that everybody has probably heard of, to my number 10, which is a thing that probably most people have not heard of, but I really think everybody would enjoy if they checked out, um... I, I have been a little self-critical uh, in the past that when I bring comics to this conversation, it, they're always by one of two people, and both of those people have written Batman in the past. So I'm diversifying this year by adding a third person who has written detective comics in the past and is kind of right in line with those other two in terms of style. But uh, my own kind of monoculture aside, it's a really, really good book. It's called the nice house on the lake it's by james tinney and the fourth it was put out under dc Comics' black label um it is a horror comic and let me hit you guys with the premise and you tell me if this sounds familiar Mm -hmm. group of people have to live in a house together they can't leave the house because the world is ending outside and any contact they make with anyone who's not in the house could be uh you know, detrimental to their livelihoods in terms of being alive. Hmm. Yeah. So it's it's a COVID book, but it's a it's a sci-fi horror thing where like aliens have collected this group of people in this house and then have initiated the apocalypse <laughs> on the outside. And these people thought the aliens were always their friends. Um and, and there's a lot of cool horror tropes. The art is incredible. Um it really complements the the spooky narrative it looks like a horror movie and there are whole pages where instead of having like a traditional comic layout, it is like a report that I assume is being written up for the aliens. This is an ongoing comic. It's not a limited series, unfortunately. So I'm going to get you hooked. You're going to be going to your comic shop every week for this one, kids. Um, uh, But yeah, so my point was it it looks very different, right? So a page will just be like a script and everybody has code names. So like you're trying to figure out why these people are called by their code names. So it'll be like the reporter and then it'll just be whatever his character says. And then it's like the comedian and then it's whatever their character says. Um, But that's adding to kind of the spookiness of like you're put out of your comfort zone because it doesn't look like a comic. But also why are these reports being generated on what they're saying? Who's surveilling them and why? It's all very... uh, mysterious and Mm. i also think very consumable like if you're a person who in the past has been like i don't know if i could get into comics they're for kids whatever like this is a spooky grown-up comic book that i think you could get into if you have been looking for an opportunity it's called the nice house on the lake the first trade is collected um like in a paperback so you can get that pretty easily right now
2: right is it a nice house though
0: it's an incredibly nice house oh (laughs) yeah is it a nice lake yeah, big lake. Nice. And they can go swim in the lake without. So, like, the oh, whole that thing is like the
2: shenanigans. Mm.
0: This guy has like <laughs> he's been living among them his whole life. And he's like made friends with certain humans. So, like, before he initiates the apocalypse and destroys humanity, he's like, hey, guys, sorry, I have to be evil, but have this nice house and enjoy the rest of your lives together. Bye. <laughs> uh, and you. they're like living with the, you know ptsd of watching their friends turn into like a hell monster and initiate the apocalypse Hmm. but it's a very nice house because he i think he does like them or he's spying on them uh and and so now we're going to go from my thing which is kind of a a big concept premise that not a lot of people have heard of but i think more should to fred's thing which is a big concept premise that Probably fewer people should have heard of, to be honest. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. So, yeah, where I went from, like, everybody's friendly neighborhood friend destroying the world, this one, everybody's moon is destroying the world. So I did Moonfall for my number 10. And Big, big Moonfall down. Big Moonfall down and it was such a simple movie. Moonstop. And probably one of the best experiences I've had in a movie theater. It was so fun. It was
0: it an was incredible so time. Fun. We, yeah.
3: You and I went to see it together. And yeah, it
0: yeah. was
1: just
3: we were just
0: staring at each other going, "What is Roland Emmerich doing right now?" What is what it? Is it's a the moon and alien. Okay. No, 12. well, hmm. uh,
3: no. It the moon itself Guys, spoilers, wasn't. Please come on, alien. come <laughs> on. And, but that was the thing; it like kept turning every like. <laughs> I didn't. I don't think I knew what was going on until the very last five minutes of this movie, and it was just like a consistently. What is this movie about? Like and it was fun. Shama. It, it look, was
0: a, what we know, and what is repeated multiple times. The only one thing I can tell you about Moonfall. Is that the moon is a superstructure?
3: Oh, oh yeah, yeah,
0: superstructure, yeah. Mm -hmm. The uh, and it's falling, (laughs) yeah. Oh, and yeah, and it go down, but yeah. uh, (laughs) Josh Bradley, the young, the the the, he was in he of the Night's Watch. Mm -hmm. The he was Sam in the Night's Watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, he repeatedly says film. He repeatedly says throughout the movie, "the moon is a superstructure." So that's what I know. Well, that clears clears a lot up for me. I have no further <laughs> questions.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Uh, there's a bit of everything in this. Though we've got aliens, but they're not really aliens. We've got mm-hmm. the robot apocalypse, mm-hmm. but it's not our robot apocalypse. I'm sorry, how do you do
2: aliens, but not really aliens? Well, they're okay, we don't want to give anything away, Earth. Jack.
3: We don't want to <laughs> spoil the movie. Are, are they mm-hmm. mole people? Never mind. I said no, no for the they're questions. they're not from Earth. Um, but yeah, it's it was just it was just such a fun theater experience. I had to include it because I just had so much fun watching this dumb dumb movie that was so good. <laughs> yeah.
2: Fantastic. Never mind. I have a lot of further questions. Do they reference the moon being formed we'll do a, by a we can planet? Do,
0: Jack, we can do a Watchmen on Moonfall if you want. I'll put it on the calendar. Um, the lunar calendar. Hey. <laughs> All right, and we're going from one end of populist cinema to the other in certain ways with Deepak's number
1: 10 pick. Yeah, uh, I took time over the last few months to kind of move away from the silly superhero Marvel-type movies and get down to stuff that's a little more grounded in reality. Harsh mm-hmm. Deepak, do you know what we do here? Yeah, but my number 10 is, it's a movie about like strong male companionship And uh, it's a little more sophisticated. It's much more sophisticated. It's about a large group of friends who get back together again after a long time and uh, bond in ways Uh that, you know, only they know how to bond. Uh, My number 10 is Jackass Forever. It was a wildly fun time. Another fun theater experience. Um, This is I think
0: I like how much our
1: lists are because. You and I went
0: to go see Jackass forever together. I just like how much our lists are. I went to go see a movie, and it was good.
1: I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was good. I mean, my theater experiences this year count a total of two. Jackass mm-hmm. and another movie that's on the list coming up later. Um, but this one was fun. Uh, the only Jackass I've seen in the theater. And it was good to go back to a, the Alamo. I hadn't been to the Alamo yeah. in, like, since Tenet. And Tenet was kind of like a quasi-Alamo experience. So the last time we actually were at the Alamo seeing a movie together might have been like... 1917 or Uncut Gems or something. So it's been a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. That's my number 10.
0: Good movie. Fun time.
1: Yeah, I didn't. And I didn't do end think up there's making... a lot going on there subtextually that you had like sent me a text right after the movie, I think, like half jokingly. And I was like, no, I think you got something there.
0: Yeah, I, I might write that up, actually, as we were talking about, you know, this is now we're doing the best of 2022 part one month. Mm -hmm. We're have to find a better name for that. But I want to spotlight some of this stuff. And yeah, I do think there is an argument to be made that like, jackass forever is actually saying some interesting stuff. Um, But yeah, also just a lot of lot of dicks getting smashed, man. Yeah, a lot of of a lot of violence. I can only imagine the work of the lawyer who had to figure out whether or not they were allowed to, like, pogo stick on somebody's balls. Some interesting
1: writers, definitely. (laughs)
0: All right. Now let's go to number nines. Uh, We're going to stay on populist movie for a minute. Uh, We have a couple more here. We'll start with Fred's number nine pick.
3: Yeah, I did the Uncharted movie. Um It wasn't something I initially wanted to go see. I was just kind of like, whatever about it. Um, But my son really wanted to go see it, so he convinced us all to go. And it was good. I had a great time. As far as video game movies, I think it made sense. It reminded me a lot of the old school um, Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movies. Uh, um, It was just fun. And it, it was like a neat and compact story that just they didn't try to go too weird with it. It just sort of worked. And it was good and had a lot of, you know, action fanfare kind of a thing. It just, it was a solid tight ship kind of a movie. And I liked it. How was, how was Wahlberg? I mean, you know, he was fine. You don't say hi to your mother for me. Because Yeah, sure. (laughs) He was
0: was right in the pocket.
3: (laughs) Yeah, he was, he was fine. He was fine.
0: (laughs) Exciting to
3: hear. It was, it was weird having Tom, cause I'm, Tom Holland still looks like a child to me <laughs> yeah he really does and it's nothing against him I like him as, a, as an actor I think he's fine and, and he's clearly very athletic it's just he, he, he looks like a
0: kid he's got to me. a little baby face that's why he gets to play Spider-Man let me ask you did you feel like it was just a Spider-Man like I, I there's this question I feel like about whether or not Holland is just stuck as Peter Parker
3: uh nah nah I think Nathan Drake is not a good as person as Peter Parker, obviously. Okay. Um, and I, I, Tom Holland was believable like that. Okay. It's just, you know, when you see Nathan Drake on like the posters, he's like older and grizzled and like Nathan Drake looks has, like Tom Holland's dad.
1: Yeah, he he's got like a bit of facial hair. It's so weird.
3: Well, isn't wasn't that what it originally was? I it was, was going to be Wahlberg be to star
1: like ten years ago.
3: Yeah. yeah, and I, I think they ran into, like, development issues, and then Mark Wahlberg got too old. And no, they
1: they to yeah. ran into an issue where the algorithm said they needed this much money to make a good Uncharted movie. And well, Nathan that, yeah. Fillion is not the person you put in a movie that expensive.
2: Maybe yeah. they expected it but, to take another, like, five years, so that way Tom Holland would be all chiseled by then.
1: Well, he looks this like weird... an adult, which is really Uncharted territory.
0: Hey. Oh. <laughs> this is the weird thing around Holland, though, right? He's, he's planting all these, like... He's making all these investments now in the yeah. idea that he will still be a very popular actor fifteen he, he years from now. Be, he
1: could be the next Renner. We don't know. Yeah. Do you remember That's when fun. Renner was supposed to be the face the next of guy. Avengers Born. Mission Impossible Born and now Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah, now he, yeah. Gets he like was in a Mission Paramount Impossible streaming show.
0: He was supposed to take there were multiple attempts to get Tom Cruise to give Mission Impossible away, and Renner was the first pass at that. And Tom was like, "No, I don't think so. Thank you."
1: It was originally supposed <laughs> to be Mission Impossible Renner Nation.
0: That's true. That was the title,
1: <laughs> yeah. and it was going <laughs> to be an integrated into his, It was going to be integrated into his app.
0: You remember how he had that app? Mm-hmm. Anyway, Deepak, we're on the MCU jokes now, and yours is actually kind of the next closest with the MCU connection.
1: Yeah, so after I saw Jackass, I realized that I actually wanted to come back to the MCU, so I. Um, the Multiverse of Madness is my number nine, which is, in all seriousness, I did kind of, after Thanos go, maybe it's time for the MCU to just kind of go into the background a little bit. And it has, but I was always interested in the idea of a Doctor Strange sequel, of course, more so when Sam Raimi came on board. Um,. And just to see kind of where Marvel is headed, Riley and I did a Watchmen on this right after we saw it about a month ago. You can find on the website. And uh, I think the big takeaway from the Multiverse of Madness is that no one really has any clear idea of what Marvel is doing now. So we feel like we're kind of back in the phase one of it all. Like, okay, we're meeting new characters or we're being introduced to new concepts. The big gimmick initially was that we get to see characters from a single universe interact with each other and now the gimmick is that we get to see characters from multiple universes interact with each other so i don't know where anything is going big picture wise but i kind of like that we don't have a clear roadmap yet um and multiverse of madness does emphasize the madness of it all so it's it's i don't think it's a great movie but it's a it's a good one it's about as good as the first doctor strange so i liked it so
3: I haven't seen Multiverse of Madness. Yet. I have seen the latest Spider Man though, and this is I feel like Dr. Sh- This is definitely better. I feel like the latest Spider Man, Doctor Strange, was kind of like irresponsible. <laughs>
1: right. Do you want? Do you want to get into some of this? Because I had the same kind of complaint about the Doctor Strange movie, where like they don't really do much interesting with him. And- yeah,
0: I was just checking the list to make sure, and yeah, this is the only time we're going to be talking about this movie. So I'll, I'll go ahead and give the mini version of my spiel. Um... So, if you the COVID of it all basically boils down to as follows, right? There was an original Feige plan that involved basically very quick hits, right? Strike while the iron is hot. We're going to use Disney Plus to kind of get people even more excited about getting into the next theater for the next movie on day one because we want to juice those opening day numbers, right? So, it kind of looked like this. One episode of WandaVision a week for however many weeks... And then the day after the last episode of Wandavision comes out, Doctor Strange is in theaters. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange kind of has its theatrical run, and then after Doctor Strange is over, I think it was uh, the the Hawkeye show. I think was next in the progression, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, because then Spider Man and Hawkeye are like take place on the same day. The last episode of Hawkeye is the same day as the big climax of Spider Man. Um, the reason that that's cool narratively is because you have WandaVision kind of introduce the idea of a multiverse, right? You kind of really start poking that loosely. Oh, I think Loki. Loki was in there too, right? To kind of further explore. So you have... What is a multiverse? Don't really know. Oh, a big movie called Multiverse. That'll probably give us some answers. Then we have a Loki series that's going to explore it even more in depth. And then we have the big climax of it all, bringing in two other Spider-Men from other movie universes, right? A whole metatextual thing. Big, exciting ending. Um, womp, womp, COVID, right? All that gets reshuffled around. And I think that that balloon loses a lot of momentum. I think that machine's not working for you as much anymore. Part of that original machine was, though, Fred. To your point, they were going to hide. From what I have heard, they were going to hide that it was a three Spider-Man in the universe movie entirely. Yeah, I think in that, that was original the plan. plan. Right. Yeah, but they weren't even like they weren't even going to tip their hat that like Alfred Molina yeah, was in the they movie. They weren't going to talk about that. Like villain. the trailer was going to be that it was Doctor Strange versus Spider-Man. Doctor if that's what breaks the, the multiverse. Spider Man has to say. Spider Man has to stop him. Yeah. So I think there is stuff in that movie that was like trailer hits for why
3: Strange being so weird. I, yeah, I do remember watching the movie and I was like, oh, the trailer did give me a completely different vibe. Also, not for nothing.
0: I think there's a world in which Multiverse of Madness ends with bad Doctor Strange coming yeah, to Earth.
1: That's exactly what I was because, especially that uh, that post-credit scene and Strange, yeah. is such a tack on, yeah, that, yeah. I think they wanted it to end a certain way so that we lead into Spider-Man thinking a certain thing about him.
0: Strange, yeah. yeah. Right. And then we're ready for a bad strange and Spider-Man to have to fight him. And then, oh, shit, he's actually fighting Alfred Molina alongside Tobey Maguire.
1: And then I think Spider-Man is a way more effective. I
0: think, yeah, yeah. as a piece of marketing material, that's your Avengers moment. And now I don't really know what it is. So it's kind of the years out of the blue. Anyway, it's
1: literally a two and a half hour meme. That's
0: yeah. (laughs) Yes. Those are my way too many thoughts on that. But speaking of having way too many thoughts on a Sam Raimi comic book movie, Jack, your number nine pick uh, is made by a bunch of people who would probably love to talk about this for hours. <laughs> uh, that's true. So my number nine pick
2: is uh, Stranger Things season four,
0: <clears throat> which is
2: probably the newest thing on the list, unless some newer entertainment has been coming out. Um,
1: I watched something so, this morning. Well, watched
2: is different Jeez. from coming out. Is that on your list, though, people? No I'm kidding. Go ahead. That would also, yeah, that would be impressive. Anyway.
3: We worked real hard on these transitions. <laughs> it's worth noting, um,
2: I, I want to sort of preface this, that uh, it is not done yet, as there are still two episodes to be released on the 1st of July, and we were recording and, this and in June. Isn't the first one, like, 90 minutes, and the second one's, like, two hours? It, I did not know that, but big if true. I mean, it would make sense, because the first one was, like, seven episodes, and the
0: second set's two, so. Yeah. I think they're um, basically two movies.
2: So... Uh, I really like Stranger Things when it first came out. I really like Dungeons and Dragons as a very unsurprising fact. And so I was excited about the sort of general premise. But my biggest disappointment was that the, the uh, monster is just sort of a monster that they happen to name after a D&D villain because they're 13. Um, much more interesting in this season to me, and I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but this was, I think, prominently enough showed in the marketing for the season. Uh, they actually are leveraging a much larger D D villain in in uh, the Upside Down. Uh, they are going up against Vecna, who is a, a literal god in D D lore. So I can only imagine is at least a one like one guy in the Upside Down, and not a whole race of monsters that they just have to deal with now. <laughs>
3: See, the the thing about gods in D&D, though, is I did hear that that one god got killed by six drunk people in a tavern one time, so... <laughs> well, Vecna's also famously wasn't always a god. That's sort of his
2: shtick. And so, uh, maybe that will lead into this, this, the plans of this evil guy. That's neither here nor there. Um, it's also interesting because season three came out three years ago. <laughs> Which, you know, COVID and all. But, uh... I I noticed season two came out in 2017, and as we all know, season one came out in 2016. So if I'm following my math correctly, that means there'll be a four-year break before season five, which should be in 2026. So if you like Stranger Things, this will be really your last chance to enjoy any of it for quite a while.
1: That's what I feel the like you should get in so on. So long. It. You're supposed to parcel them out.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah so I'm still working through it like everyone else but so far I have enjoyed it it's not been my show of the year obviously it's number nine but it was pretty good
0: that's true we're giving a lot of time to these low level picks let's buzz through some here my number nine pick was the artsy pick of the group but it is I think also uh, populist entertainment I went with the Northman a -hmm. cool movie about a very muscly man who kills his uncle and gets revenge for the death of his father it's Hamlet but it's like you know it's it's is doing Hamlet, and he's kind of a madman, and it's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. If you've seen the trailer, you've seen uh, Skarsgård catch a spear and throw it back at the guy and kill him in a oneer, and it's awesome. Oh, hell, that's, I need to watch that trailer. That's the energy <laughs> of that movie. Watch the
1: movie. It's on Peacock. <laughs> it's on oh, Peacock. Man. The free yeah. streaming service. Yes. Whoa. Go.
0: What? Well, if you, I mean, you should pay and not get the trailers or not get the ads in between because it's a good movie. I don't but. know. The
2: trailers sound badass. <laughs>
0: Anyway, the Northman. Watch it; it's great. Number eight. We'll go with
1: one more movie everybody loves. Deepak, you're number eight. Yeah, so in the same cinematic universe as Northman, my pick is Batman. <laughs> um, the new Pattinson <laughs> Matt Reeves movie um, makes a weird trilogy with Irishman, also uh (laughs) they're all very long too no uh the batman it's a slog yeah uh it's a commitment the batman is the new batman movie it's good it's fine i don't love it the way a lot of people do i know riley obviously has very intense feelings for it that he has decided not to share with us all because they're just too raw i'm Uh, just gonna do i'm gonna put an hour up that's just me on my own kind of going i figured i didn't need you guys Yeah, and ironically will come off as more of a Riddler video than anything else. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, it's good. It's really, really well designed. Like the look of it, the feel of it, what they've done with like Gotham City and why they're doing like an HBO Max spinoff that focuses more on the street level Gotham, I think is actually more fascinating than what the movie is doing, because I think they've done such a great job with it. The core detective narrative is also interesting. I think it's a little overdone and it's again way too long uh especially in the last hour or so when it goes kind of big like it's a it's a grounded movie and then it goes really big in the finale but um, but it's good i liked it obviously it's number eight it's uh not as mad as multiverse of madness but it's good
0: yeah it's good we've talked about it you have thoughts on it it's bad well, i think He's... i think we
1: are going to do something a little more in depth with we the, are with that one we
0: are yeah we've got plans um fred I, he- I heard you chomping at the bit you know you're next
1: yeah uh
3: young justice season four came out uh, it's on hbo uh young justice is one there of the shows very weird.
0: consistent things in this world i know yeah i like i always like you guys always jack There's there's no more Bo-Jack Bo Jack Horse. in yeah. the world but for a long time you guys just each there was a show you guys were still loving and i always <laughs> like to see it on the list
3: well it, Young Justice just hard because like the first two seasons are definitely like four children and then they realize that those children grew up and so, like, they made it a way more adult show now. So, like, season four is very, very different than season one. Uh, but they still managed to tell some unique stories. Um, it's not finished yet. The finale is five days from now, four days from now um, as of recording. So, it's, it's still going on. Um, but, no, it, it's, there's some really interesting topics that they bring up. Like, uh, one of the superheroes has an autistic child. And they go into the struggles of parenting autistic child and how to make that work. And it's not something I'm used to seeing, but I do kind of like seeing that. And so, yeah, if you haven't started yet, I do recommend it.
0: Yeah, it's been really interesting to see even just in the marketing on the HBO Max platform, you know, how different a show it looks to be now. But you're right. I mean, the first two seasons of that show came out, what, like? Years and years ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't.
3: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I didn't watch it when it first came out. <laughs> I just found it and I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I like Robin. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I couldn't really figure this one out. But Jack, I think tight knit family about yeah. uh, Speaking about the struggles of parenthood. Yeah.
2: Speaking about the struggles of parenthood. My number eight pick is uh, an anime. It's called Spy X Family. Um I I never like to dwell too long on these, because I know they're not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, And if they are, you're probably already aware. But on the off chance that you're not, uh, one of the hot new shows of the season is about um, a spy from uh, a, well, a foreign nation in the context of the show, uh, codenamed Twilight, who has to go undercover uh, to steal information about... um, About another foreign dignitary by posing as a new father and enrolling their children at the same school. Uh, And swiftly learns about how parenthood is harder than being a psychic spy. Um, So it's it's ultimately a show about raising a child and also all of the wackiness of anime in a mystery like spy movie. It's ridiculous, but it's very entertaining and surprisingly heartwarming at times. So if you haven't talk, heard of talk it, to, and
3: talk to me about the time
0: commitment here, Jack.
3: Yeah, this sounds kind of good actually. Yeah. Oh, See,
0: uh, I feel like we're all we're all getting ready to bite that worm. Realistically. I mean, it's it's only one season. It's
2: it's a pretty new show. It's it's a manga that had already existed, so it might keep going for longer past this. But it, it just premiered this this time, so it's only. Uh, let me double check the number of episodes. do do. do. Yeah, I think it's only ten
3: episodes great yeah now i do have one quick question though mm-hmm. uh this twilight character mm-hmm. would you say uh he struggles at all is it like a twilight struggles kind of a thing or <laughs> Ooh.
2: Ooh. Uh, i mean he struggles with parenthood for sure it's it's rough to raise a kid who's uh an unwitting accomplice in a spy mission <laughs>
0: The Cold War slash board game reference from Fred. All right, um, my number uh, my number eight pick is I can't. There's there's nothing. It's a it's a game on the Switch called Ali uh, Ali World. I don't know if you all have checked it out yet. Uh, also Ollie about Ollie. spying, but infiltrating skateboarding rinks. Yeah, it's, yeah. Right. It's about becoming um, like a skateboarding messiah. Is actually. Riley, do you know
2: about the original Ali Ali?
0: I was about to talk about the original Ali Ali, but I've you, probably you like
3: jumped twice, right? A decade.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's it's an it's an old school skateboarding game, uh, and uh, and it was always very enjoyable. But the uh, the newest installment, right, Ali Ali World, is it takes this and kind of turns it into a. It's sort of like a platformer instructor, instructor, like old school Mario, where you've got like worlds and they each have levels in them. Um, and you just do cool skateboarding tricks to clear the levels. Um, it's incredibly enjoyable. You, it's, it's these just quick little hits of, of skateboard game, right? Much like the original Ali Ali. You just, you're just rolling out and playing, you know, 30 seconds, 90 seconds, right? You're not really getting into it. Um, and it's great on the Switch, you know, like if I have it in my backpack or whatever, and I'm, I'm waiting on the bus or something, I can just bust it out and play a couple rounds. And the muscle memory is simple enough that it doesn't go anywhere because it's basically just the joysticks, um, which actually is tricky for me. It was at the beginning because I was so used to Tony Hawk controls um, that it became very, very difficult for me to pick up uh, control stick is Ollie. But I got there and you can, too. It's a really fun game. I love these little indie games on the Switch. I feel like it's what it's made for and what it does best. Like when the big Nintendo games come out, I think they're fun, but I prefer to play them on the television. Um, but a lot of these cool little indies you can just roll with, and uh, and, and they're great. Yeah. Jack, you, I mean, you sounded like you had thoughts on, on the Ali Ali's. Well, to be honest,
2: you sold me on it a little bit more. I thought it was just the same game, but made with 3D graphics instead of pixel art. Uh, which was not enough to sell me, but it seems like oh. they did actually add more.
0: Yeah, no, there's a whole plot where you are, like, becoming the skateboard messiah.
2: I also heard, I think, that they're making a, like, skateboarding *Memorpaga*, uh, so that'll I, be interesting.
0: Yeah, that will be interesting. Um, but yeah, Ali Ali World is, is definitely worth it. It's a lot of fun. The world that it builds is really, really cool. Like, that is the draw for me, is, like, the world that it takes place in is an incredibly... I mean, it is like, imagine what Western culture would be like if Jesus had skateboarded. That's like what this world is. (laughs) And it's amazing. (laughs) And I'm so into it. So yeah, go play the game so you can learn about what that world would look like and, and play an incredibly simple and incredibly enjoyable skateboarding video game at the same time. Speaking of incredible fantasy worlds, Jack, I understand your number seven pick takes place in a world filled with pocket monsters?
2: Yeah. Strange creatures roam the lands Un- the untamed past. Um, so, uh, yeah, my number seven pick is Pokemon Legends Arceus or Arceus, if you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people might find this slightly contentious as the game was famously not Amazing. Um, however, I have contended basically since I started playing this game, these games, which was like 12 years ago, uh, that Pokemon really is not a sustainable business model. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and it seems like it took them to reach a thousand Pokemon to realize this. And when they tried to release a game that didn't have all 1000 Pokemon for practicality reasons, everyone lost their minds. So I just want to show some support for them trying something else with this uh, enormously successful franchise that they have. I think setting it at a different time without all of the weird sci-fi technology Pokemon has always had is an interesting twist. And I think uh, a good excuse to not have all of the Pokemon everywhere Uh, I like that you don't have fresh new starters in this game. You just pick old starters. I think that's a better model. Um, There's a lot. I think that this is generally a very good direction for the series to be going in, even if it needs a little bit more improvement. That sounds good. That's my whole rant. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to just dominate the conversation, but uh, I've been very upset by people. I'm worried that we're just going to go back. To the regular Pokemon games until we hit 2000 and then they're gonna try something else. Because they've been scared off from doing anything new. But Pokemon Coliseum and that weird Game Q1 are the most interesting Pokemon games.
0: Change my mind. <laughs> no, I hey, I'm sorry, have you listened to this podcast? We need <laughs> other people to start ranting more because I just sound like a lunatic. <laughs> I've always said that Pokemon Coliseum
3: is my favorite.
0: 100%. I like I like Snap. But I didn't play the new yeah, one. Yeah, was was also the new Snap not a good? regular Pokemon game. <laughs> no, I agree. That's why I brought it up.
2: Did you um, play Snap on the Switch? Remember when that I, happened?
0: I haven't. But can I still? Or is it not?
2: I think so. I think it's just a regular video game that
0: they released and marketed poorly. <laughs> they just took away that Mario game, so now I'm now That's I'm true. skittish. Sure, All right, sure. uh, Fred. Speaking of trying something different with a IP, I mean. You have a you have an enchanting fantasy world that I understand takes place in a galaxy far, far away.
3: Right. Yeah. So this one's kind of a small little indie game made by a toy company. Mm. Um, it was called Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. I heard um, this was good. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's pretty good. Um, I I am constantly constantly like amazed by the quality of the games that Lego puts out. Mm. I feel like they always handle their IPs incredibly well, and I don't think they've ever made, like, a bus. Like, I think that LEGO just knows how to do stuff, and it just always works. And I can't think of a bad LEGO game, and I was really excited that we get a chance to talk about LEGO games, just because I think they're always good. Um, yeah, undeniably true. I think that they are a, a
0: company that is very invested in their name being synonymous with fun. Mm-hmm and these games are always fun.
1: <laughs> I also think they understand the youth appeal and the fun factor of Star Wars better than Star Wars itself understands it at this point.
3: Yeah, I think that they they really do like appreciate the all the underlying stuff like what blew me away about it was just all the little details of, about the stars like so if you leave palpatine alone for instance and like don't touch him like, he'll drop a lightsaber by accident and then freak out. And it's just, like, little things and, like, like that. sneakily put it back in his robe. And he, like, kicks it away, yeah. <laughs> and it's just fun, and I like it. And it's, it's like the Dave Filoni thing where, like, if you really care about an IP, you do it well. And it's very clear that they, like, cared well, about it.
2: I also right? feel like an amount of it has to be credited to the fact that they're all LEGOs. Like... Like, if mm-hmm. that happened with the real Palpatine, it would be stupid. <laughs> Correct. But yeah. the fact that I, they're, like, caricatures means that they can get away with a lot more. Yeah.
1: They're like the Family right. Guy spoofs, where you can tell they were done by people who love Star Wars, even though they're skewering them left and right.
3: Yeah, and I, I guess to get back to the original question, because it is Lego and it's, like, ultimately supposed to be lighthearted and fun for kids, that's what they're going for. So they're not trying to... Have this really big, serious type of discussion about I don't know droid rights or whatever. It's just a stupid Lego game, <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> and I think that they they really know their lane really well, and it happens to work into just a let's make Star Wars fun again kind of a thing.
0: Yeah, like there's I saw a clip of like Obi Wan like trying to figure out why his lightsaber didn't have two blades. <laughs> yeah, it's just silly. It's a good time. I mean, Deepak, you tweeted this recently, right? Like, Yeah, Star Wars.
1: That, the, the thing that the Spider-Man director is now doing for Star Wars where at Star Wars Celebration he goes, yeah, it's a show about kids, but it's not a show for kids. And then his show about kids, the next day they announce is starring Jude Law. And you're like, what What are you doing, dude? And But yeah, yeah what, what I tweeted was that he said it's not for kids. And I'm like, if you make something about Star Wars that's not for kids, you haven't understood star wars correctly like (laughs) yeah you're fucking up kind of fundamentally it's a thing about space wizards dude exactly there's like a core concept here you seem to have misunderstood yeah
0: all right uh you know deepak your guy your number seven pick here uh a not for kids but knows a thing or two about keeping the coaxium cold Ooh. don't worry about Uh my dumb
1: Hold on, I'm. I'm gonna figure this one out. Oh, did I say it wrong? Is it not coaxium? Yeah, that's a solo reference. I'm assuming. Yeah, isn't that what it's called when you've got a? Because isn't what does that have to do with my seven? My seven is about how to raise a family in the modern Midwest.
0: Well, I suppose I guess you are right. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. I didn't. I didn't mean to cast any aspersions.
1: Yeah. uh, No, my my Riley's right. My number seven is not really for kids, but that's because it's really for parents. It's about, Mm -hmm. you know, the what we navigate in the modern world to raise the nuclear family, to raise the loving, caring, you know, son and daughter with a mother and father unit the way that everyone wants. Uh, So my number seven is Ozark, uh, which (laughs) just came to an end on Netflix um, with the final season that was. Um, It started initially, they did the thing that we're currently suffering through with Better Call Saul, which is that they did like half the season, then they took a break, and then we got the second half of the season like a month later. So now it's all done. It ended fine. It ended. Um, There's only so many times that you can almost kill uh, Jason Bateman and then have him talk his way out of it and then not get killed and then talk his way out of it again. So I, I realize now that Ozark and Better Call Saul are pretty much the same show. Um, And it's a show you really like. It is a good show. I didn't love it, but I liked it. It ends with a pretty staggering major character dying that was sort of inevitable. It was sort of a matter of how it would happen, not who it would happen to or when it would happen. But yeah, uh, Ozark is done. Netflix loses another good one in an increasingly bad six months for Netflix. So, yeah. Yeah, and speaking of, like...
0: Spook, spooky men and like a constant state of possible danger. Uh, my number seven's men. The horror movie. Uh, men is uh, a horror movie. Uh, uh, right. Men are. Thank men, you. Thank you. Men. <laughs> men are a horror movie uh, by Alex Garland. Uh, which almost necessitates a protagonist of a young woman. Uh, she, it's a COVID movie. They clearly shot it during COVID. It's just two actors. And I imagine they were just all quarantined up in this little town and they shot it over time. Um, it's great. It's very spooky. Uh, she kind of walks around this town and all the men in the town have the same face. And it's Rory Kinnear's face. And uh, they don't seem to find it strange at all. Um, normal. (laughs) and she doesn't really seem to notice it. So it's more like a visual cue for the audience maybe, but then things start to get even weirder and yeah, it's spooky, but, uh, there is, I would say one visually startling sequence that got some press coverage. Um, but other than that, uh, there's nothing like too, too gross or anything. I don't know. People don't like scary movies for different reasons, so I always try and cover, like, there's no jump scares. It's, like, kind of more mentally frightening. Although, of course, the ending, you know, is supposed to be a little bigger, so there is a pretty, like, grotesque series of shots at the end that I really got a kick out of, but I'm kind of a weirdo, so you might not like it. I don't know. Maybe you will. If you like Alex Garland, I think you'll be into it. If you don't like Alex Garland, maybe start with, like, Ex Machina. This is advanced garland, is what I'm saying. <laughs> number six, the best of the bottom half. Let's stick with terrifying male figures for a minute, Deepak.
1: Yeah, mine is uh, the very, very serious Netflix documentary, Our Father, which is the shockingly true story about a fertility doctor uh, in or near Indianapolis who, for a number of decades, um was telling women who came to him for um, infertility treatment and for the, uh, what do you call it, the... Um, in vitro artificial
0: insemination. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: artificial insemination, uh, that he was getting it from certified donors, medical students, all this stuff, but he was actually just impregnating them with his own sperm. Uh, and he did it for Incredibly decades. Incredibly de- gross. Yeah, and I've, uh, the documentary... Towards the end of it, they still don't have the full number, but it's like, I th- think it's at least 60, somewhere in the 60s, it might even be as high as 90s, the children that he has. And the documentaries about how the kids, you know, through Ancestry.com kind of stuff, figured out that there was a problem, found each other, they're all sort of still in the area. They get into things about how they were all like growing up with half siblings or potentially even dating half siblings without knowing who they were because he's just been spreading his seed literally everywhere around town. Uh, and then it gets into kind of some of the um, uh, little controversial stuff as far as he hides behind religion for a lot of what he did and things like that. So uh, very good documentary. Very dark. Obviously, it's not a fun watch, but it's uh, it's worth seeing.
2: Inset. The sort of evil plan
1: that I feel like I wouldn't even be able to think of. Uh, there may have been a plan in place. Yeah, it's it's shocking, really.
0: While we're on kind of creepy cult-adjacent behavior. Uh, my number six is a little show y'all might have heard of called Yellow Jackets. Um, mm. it is, I have been they rewatching. They gave
1: the Ant-Man villain a show? It's, inc- <laughs>
0: it's incredible, isn't it? It's an S with a dollar sign. Uh, no, yeah, Yellow Jackets is a Showtime original series that is um, pretty great. I It had what I ref- kind of sometimes refer to as a spaghetti ending, where... Um, You know, it got a first season and they really wanted a season two. So they left a lot of possible stuff out there and they just threw it all at the wall. And hopefully in season two, some of it sticks. Um, But up until the very, very end of the finale, which I just had structural problems with because I think about TV too much. Every single minute of it is compelling. It is a story about a group of girls who are traveling to a soccer game for their high school tournament. I think it's, you know the national finals or whatever. Um, and their plane crashes in the wilderness and they all have to survive. Um, but at the beginning of the first episode, we see them having been in the woods for some time and they do kill and eat one of their teammates in a ritual sacrifice. Um, so we kind of know where this is going and then flash back to the start of them crashing in the wilderness. And so, You see them in the forest kind of trying to survive. And also them as adults, like trying to keep secret what happened in the woods um, as it slowly starts to unravel. It is, I had said I had started watching Lost uh, recently, and it is definitely like the spiritual successor to Lost. It scratches that itch for me that I used to love Lost about, and I'm watching Lost again now because I love. So if you like Lost and haven't watched Yellow Jackets, check it out. It's on Showtime. It's definitely going to get a season two. Um, it, It's really, really good. Might be. I don't know if there's a TV show higher on my list or not, but if you were to ask me like Riley, what just point blank, what's the best TV show of the year? I'd be like, yeah, Yellow Jackets ruled. Oh, no, there is one higher. Oh, Blark. We'll have to figure it out anyway. uh, Fred and Jack, you guys both have picks about people who are on quests. So I want to start with the higher stakes quest, which is a uh, Fred's pick.
3: Wow, that's an interesting way to put mine. Um, yeah, I did uh, Shorzy. It's the spin-off of the very fun uh, Canadian sitcom Letterkenny. Um, made by Jared Kiso, where he plays the titular character, Shorzy. Uh, a very different character than what people are used to seeing him do with Letterkenny is Wayne. Um, it's just a really tight six episodes about never losing a hockey game again. And it's got all of the very quick dialogue that you would expect from jared kiso um very funny very like i said very very quick insults and jokes that are just real hard to pick up the first time but they i like them i think they're really good uh yeah it's a lot more narrative based than what letter was and i think it's a great spinoff i think it does something sufficiently differently and also probably one of the best sport series i've ever seen Like, not necessarily about hockey, but just about, like, the mindset of athletics and hating to lose and loving to win kind of a thing. It's really good. Fred, I think you laid it down great for folks who
0: already know they love Letterkenny, but can you give, like, the 90-second elevator pitch for people who maybe haven't
3: heard of it before? Uh, Sure. Letterkenny takes place in um, Ontario, very small town uh, in Canada. It just kind of highlights a bunch of small-town problems in Canada. And it's, that's all it is. It's just problems in a small town. And it's very funny. The dialogue is meant to just be very, very quick and jokes. And it's very dirty, but I wouldn't say, like, at anyone's expense. Like... Yeah. And then, Jack, your number six pick is about a woman trying to do her taxes.
2: Yeah. So, my number six pick is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, Which is in... Oh, How to Do It. Um... An absurdist, black comedy, science fiction, fantasy, martial arts film with animation elements.
3: That is a lot. Yeah, I
2: think
0: you kind of covered most of it.
2: Um, It is, Uh, is, you're right, about uh, one woman um, who is being audited f- by the IRS uh, when she discovers uh, that she can make contact with versions of herself from parallel universes and is being tasked to stop a very powerful being from destroying the multiverse. Uh, it is really funny. Uh, and I think you mentioned earlier, Riley, that some of these on our list are just, we went to see a movie and it was enjoyable. I think that's this one for me. Uh, but I, I do think it was also deeply my my type of movie. So I, I would have to recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it already.
0: We'll have to see if it comes up again. Uh, ho ho ho! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everything, everywhere, all... On the lists. But, Jack, we're going st- <laughs> to we're- we're stick with you for number fives, because your number five was also kind of a wild head trip of a thing, right? Yeah,
2: it um, was maybe a little unexpected given our usual list, but my number five was Project Hail Mary. Um, I've recently gotten into audiobooks pretty heavily because it helps with my attention span. Uh, this is the newest book by... Um, by Andy Weir, who you may know for uh, writing The Martian quite famously. Uh, it's a sort of similar novel. It takes place in space again. Uh, it's also about a disaster or, or trying to prevent one. Um, and the audiobook is really, I think, I don't know if I would normally recommend an audiobook over a regular book, but I think this one was produced like simultaneously and with the audiobook in mind. Uh, and I think it sort of shows. It's read by Ray Porter. Um,
0: i I really like it uh, and I, w- I would recommend it to anyone. I don't want to spoil anything but no worries. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm always on my audiobook game. I, I, I got credits on yeah horrible, it was really so. good for my for work too anyway. yeah Deepak, you've got a you've got big puzzle energy for your your pick your number five.
1: Yeah, my number five is Outer Range, which is this really weird sci-fi western with Josh Brolin on Amazon Prime that basically starts with the premise of Josh Brolin. Uh, It's kind of like, it. I haven't seen Yellowstone, but I imagine Yellowstone is similar to this. It's like a familial uh, plot of land that he's in some dispute with his uh, next-door neighbor about. They have, like, vast, vast acreage on, obviously, uh, somewhere in... um, I think he, he might actually be yellowstone it's somewhere in wyoming but anywhere so anyway uh there's like a big hole in the ground like an enormous pit that just kind of it's like a black hole that is just in the ground and they're trying to figure out brolin discovers it on his land and is like what is this and it kind of has yellowstone meets the x-files or yellowstone meets a rival kind of energy and they even do like Western stuff where there's a car chase that is literally shot, I think, on the same road that the uh, the street shootout in No Country for Old Men was shot in. Um, so there's cool imagery. I don't know that the show holds together logically necessarily, but it seems like I mean they clearly don't resolve everything in the first season, so there there needs to be a second one. Uh, and if there is, I look forward to it because there's enough good going on here that uh, they've got me hooked. So out of range, Amazon Prime. I think all the it's eight episodes. They're about an hour each. They're all out now. Excellent.
0: Uh, My number five is a video game. There's a video game called Nobody Saves the World. Um, It's an RPG, role-playing game, where you play as a little... I described him to my wife as like... He's kind of like a bathroom sign man. He's like a white... I'm sorry,
2: did you say nobody saves the world or everyone does? Nobody. Oh, that's not what I was hoping for.
0: I, but that's <laughs> so it's his name is the his name's nobody uh, and he's like a little white outline it's of a Odyssey man situation
2: is he yeah. bob exactly
0: oh, oh. But, uh, no he's not bob odenkirk but bob odenkirk could play him in the in the movie adaptation um but over the course of the game so you kind of like accidentally come into possession of a, a magic wand that belongs to the wizard of the realm and he's gone missing um and you can use the wands to turn into a slug and then hell yeah dude (laughs) yeah and then that's what i call the sticky situation and then as you get better and go along you unlock more and more forms right it's a it's a metroidvania and you go in and you go into a dungeon and you the dungeon has maybe different requirements for it so only certain types of attacks will work in this dungeon so you're forced to pick a certain form to go along with what the dungeon requires. And then you fill out your ability tree so that by the end of the game, you're fighting the final boss as like a dragon or something. Right. Um, it's just very good. It's a lot of fun. It's very, very funny. Um, like the premise, the way I described it there with very little humor in my voice may sound like it's way up its own ass, but like, the wizard who's the king of the realm has like an ostentatious gold castle that he lives in and he like rents out rooms and pays for tours like the whole thing is very like uh, you know we live in a post capitalist uh, nightmare state and so let's talk about that in our video game so like you know there's swamp lands that have been the result of nuclear explosions and there's aliens crashing and there's all sorts of funny tongue-in-cheek weird genre mashup stuff and it's really good time I just like laugh at the dialogue as i play it um and the different forms keep it you mix it up so it's always kind of a you learn how to do a new thing um i think i told fred like one of the one of the side quests is you meet a guy who claims he can kill any rat in one punch and you can turn into a rat so you can turn into a rat and go talk to him and he'll kill you in one punch but eventually Like, a long, long way into the game, you find this power-up that says any hit, no matter how strong, can only take you down to a quarter health maximum. And you're like, oh, yeah, fine. I get lots of power-ups like this throughout the game. But if you piece it together and you equip that as the mouse and then go talk to that guy, it's, you know, like, there's this whole side quest that comes off of that. So, like, it's, you know... It presents as a very shallow kind of silly game, but it is actually, you know, it's made by people who make like Skyrim and whatever, right? Like it's made like that. It's just a goofy looking funny game.
3: Those are like my favorite kind of secrets in video games. And it's on Game Pass. And you guys
0: know I'm a shill for Game Pass. So you can play it for free if you give if you give Xbox $35 a month. Um, Fred, I know you've been waiting for this one for a long time. So why don't you just go off, man?
3: Well, so I Wait, actually no. had to like
2: stop, stop. myself from... Lo- Jack. Sorry, I was wet and I wanted to come in. Riley, you only have to pay $35 for Game Pass because that's because you leased your Xbox.
0: Oh, yeah, you most people usually... can play yeah, it for that's...
2: like 15 or 20 I think it's 15 Even I think better. It's
0: 15 now, yeah. Even yeah. better. That's Good what I am paying for. It. If you don't have an Xbox though, they'll give you one of those too. This
3: that's is what true. I'm saying. I'm a mad shill for Xbox. Fred, now you can go off. So I had to like stop myself from laughing. Deepak was like, God, I hate when they do the part two of these seasons like a month after. So mine is Attack on Titan season four, part two. <laughs> yeah. um, someone that's, needs to tell them how to nice do somehow. seasons because like season one, season four, part one came out last year. Season four, part three is coming out next year. Yeah, these yeah. are just and seasons four, five and six, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, but no, this is the final season. Really. Uh, no, this is I think this show did a great job blurring the lines between like antagonist protagonist hero villain kind of a thing Um, everybody has very clear motivations everyone is doing what they think like they clearly should be doing and like it's just good (laughs) I feel like the first three seasons of the show were very different than this one and they were just like very clever setup like it's it feels like seasons one to three were prequels to season four really um, but it all makes sense and it's a good show. And it's, I think a Titan is the one show that got me into anime as like a serious thing. And I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe if this is good, I'll try other things. And this one's real good guys. This one's real good.
0: Let's go on to number fours, but let's stick with the same kind of idea of things. People may have been waiting for, for too long. Uh, Jack, your number four pick, uh, Oh, is yeah, a successor to something long ago. Uh,
2: so my number four pick is the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe Edition.
3: Oh, is that sufficient? I didn't know that, that was sufficiently different. I didn't pay that one much mind. Uh, yeah,
2: well, I that's sort of what I thought of it as well. I thought it was just a remake for more modern consoles, but upon seeing more from it, it is actually substantially expanded. Well, most of the original content is still there. There are a number of new endings, paths, and references. Um, my favorite one: there is an Elden Ring slash uh, Dark Souls ending now, uh, in the, <laughs> the vein of the Minecraft ending from when the game first came out, um, which is pretty good. Anyway, if uh, yeah, the game is like a decade old, so you will know it. If pr- most likely, if not. It's a strange meta commentary on video games and uh, the ways that they sort of get us to act um, while also just being sort of incomprehensible as a singular narrative. But it it provides a number of interesting stories that you are connected by a weird (laughs) common theme. That you can enjoy. Deepak, it's, it's
0: made by the same people that did Beginner's Guide, Deepak. Ooh. I was going to say, can we call this out? So, Deepak, actually, how you ended up getting Beginner's Guide for that grab bag was that we wanted to do Stanley Parable, but we decided that it was, like, the graphics might be a little too out of date for you to engage with. So, let me just let you know right now, when we do another grab bag, you will be getting Stanley Parable Deluxe. So, if you just want to go ahead and seek it out now, like, is you will be like playing a this typical
1: game. typical console game, or is this the kind of thing Steam or... Vapor or whatever. It should be on, it is it. on Steam, but I don't... Yeah, you can get it wherever. Oh, okay, so I can just I know it's on the GameStop but... and ask them for Stanley Parable, and they'll pull it off the shelf.
3: I, I suspect so. I don't know about that one, actually. No.
1: We'll, we'll have to I look can into figure it. that out. We'll figure it out. We'll get no, it to you if we I'll need I'll to. I, I have a Google machine, and I'll figure it
0: out. Perfect. Uh, let's stick on Spooky Office Hellscapes and talk about my number four, which is an <laughs> Apple TV show called Severance. I know we're going to become coming back to it later, so I won't get too into it, but I will say that it is, uh, yeah, I would say it walks the line between being a dark comedy and an incredibly cerebral thriller, and it is about a group of people who undergo a procedure called severance whereby their work selves have no memory of their home lives in exchange for their home live selves never having any thoughts about work. So like there is basically two of them, and one of them is the office persona, and one of them is the non-office persona. And it's supposed to be advantageous to your non-office self because you'll never have to be bogged down with the woes of work. But the result is a bunch of people who don't know why they have their job and they want to break out of their office because they're prisoners. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it sticks with those characters kind of trying to investigate the outer, they call them the outies, the lives of their outies and, like, figure out why they went through this procedure. And also, like, the company they work for is weird, and there's a lot of mythos and, like, yeah. puzzle boxing around that. There's,
2: like, a lot of um, background noise of
0: strangeness. Yeah, so it's... It, and it's directed by uh, Ben Stiller, so... Oh. And he... Like I said, we'll talk about it more, so I'll get more specific with this, but I read accounts of him actually having a really st- strong... Uh, hand in what I think makes this show so good. So we'll talk about it more in a minute. But yeah, it's really good. It's on Apple TV. One of the things that I'm always telling people to sign up for. Um, Fred and Deepak, you guys have each picked my favorite type of movie, which is sexy adult romance dressed up like an IP franchise. Let's start with Deepak's.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm very confused <laughs> before I think before we got on or maybe on Mike, we were talking about how there were some things from last year that we were catching up on and we wanted to include them. But they're from last year and we're talking about this year. So my loophole around that was that it's a movie that came out last year, but I didn't see it till this year when it came out on 4K. Uh, it's Eternals, uh, the Marvel movie that apparently everyone else didn't like. Uh, I'm not we, here to tell we you misunderstood. <laughs> I'm not here to tell you it's some misunderstood masterpiece or it's secretly the greatest Marvel movie of all time or something like that. I think it's it has its own share of uh, if they're not flaws. I can understand that why people would not like certain things about it, but I liked it. I just more than anything think it's like a weirdly fascinating movie. Uh, I'm catching up on some of the Marvel stuff I missed over the last few years, and uh, like I haven't seen Black Widow yet. I just saw Shang Chi, which I was not too impressed with, but Eternals. <laughs> is it's just so weird. It's like nothing about it should work. Nothing about it really makes sense. But just because of that, there's something weirdly fascinating about it. Um, and I have a soft spot for some of those like weird failed blockbusters over the years that, uh, they, they they just don't like green lantern is not a good movie, but I, I still wanted a green lantern sequel. Um, in that same way, Cowboys and Aliens and some weird movies. This this is kind of in that mold. So I get why people don't like it, but it has that kind of quirkiness for me. And like Riley said, at its core it's about sad horny robots that just wanna do sad horny robot things for three hours. So And um, kill God. Right. And well yeah, that's the main thing that's interesting about it is that what it's really sort of about underneath everything. But on a more superficial level, it's nice to see hot, horny robots try to have hot, horny robot sex. So
0: yeah, can I, can I say this? It's nice to see
1: people kiss in a Marvel movie. They don't just kiss. There's like, thrusting I mean, and yeah, no, they, penetration, they fuck, but like it yeah, is, just, yeah,
0: like Marvel doesn't have any romance, and Marvel is like the tone setter for blockbusters, and we're living in an a romantic time in Hollywood. So, like Fred, I I know that you don't necessarily think of your your movie as a big sexy movie but like it has very adult romance in it yeah
3: i mean i mean it's got army hammer in it so it it has army hammer and he's a he's a character (laughs) um yeah uh, my number four like this might
0: be a controversial thing to say but just because just because it's it's just the four of us i watched him do that tango i'd let him eat my heart you know what i mean
1: that 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 (laughs) wonder is is quite a shot yeah it is it's good yeah Yeah. (laughs) Even even I even I came out of that shot like holy shit what what am I watching now? Ooh, hold on, excuse oh. me. I thought I was settling in for some stupid little Disney streaming thing. I didn't realize it was this. I right. didn't know. Go yeah. ahead, Fred. I'm sorry. Kenny, my so, boy. No, it's you it's gotta, right. uh, if, a warning, Ken. My God.
3: <laughs> if you, if you guys haven't guessed by now, my number four is Death on the Nile. Uh, so one of my favorite genres of movies is murder mysteries, where I get to figure out who the murderer is like 30 seconds before they tell me who the murderer is, That's right? such a good feeling. You
1: love Knives it's, Out. I remember
3: that. Yeah, no, it's so good. It's so good. Um, So yeah, no, this is, is probably one of my favorite things. This one was weird. Cause I was like, kind of, I know it's a remake of an older movie. I have not seen the older movie. I did not read this book. Um, And I'm glad I didn't. Cause I get to go through it, not knowing who the first person to get killed is or who the murderer is. Uh, remake of so an older movie is an know,
2: insane way to, phrase that it it is a very well-known book franchise Mm -hmm. well he said it's a
3: book too (laughs) i don't know no i no, and it it, if they keep making these movies i have to keep not reading the books because i don't want to be spoiled on them (laughs) it's a great point friend um so i don't know what's i don't know how i feel about that but anyway it's it's really good i liked it uh i guess yeah i guess there's romance in there um I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, there's romance, but it's a murder mystery. So Right. (laughs) There's always romance in a murder murder mystery. It's a murder
1: done for love. Or Or a very twisted sense of love. I do like, I I didn't think it was a murder done for money, really. I I didn't love it quite as much as you did overall, um, but I did like that they, they added more of a backstory to Poirot in this one. Um, and yes. it kind of mirrors what's happening with the actual case because the death on the Nile mystery itself especially I haven't read the book but going by the old movie is kind of a light mystery and like there isn't a whole lot to it um, <laughs> so they, they flesh it out a little bit here in interesting ways so I think Jack and I will because of our dad's
0: love of Poirot mm-hmm. probably be on probably be on the other end of this argument yeah, I thought, I thought that like was that. so dumb yeah. <laughs> like it was fun whatever I was willing to let Kenneth Branagh do it with his Poirot because I'm like no he's good like I want him to keep making these movies so do whatever you want I don't even care right. but I was like oh like of course The I told when I after I saw it I saw my dad for brunch or something and I said like I jokingly told him they gave the mustache a dark gritty backstory mm-hmm. which is what they do and you know fine whatever Mm-hmm.
2: Speaking of the adult romance, uh, does he does Poirot give uh, Gal Gadot a, a mustache ride?
0: You'll have to you'll have to watch the movie to find out, Jack. That's
2: all I want. But
0: I, this is the downside of writing these nom- these transitions references. beforehand, is because now I have to say this. Speaking of sexy. I think the, <laughs> I think I'm the only one who nominated a movie in which an actor makes out with himself, and that is Alien the unbearable Covenant. weight of massive talent. Oh, what did you think I was going to say?
1: I thought it was Alien Covenant. <laughs> but I was no, also going to say that I'm pretty sure the lasso of Hestia is made from Poirot's mustache. So there, is that's
0: actually great. There, yeah. Um, uh,
1: unbearable,
0: unbearable weight of massive talent is the Nick Cage movie you have probably seen advertised. Uh, in which Nick Cage plays a character called Nick Cage. Um, it is, for all intents and purposes, him playing himself, although he is kind of cagey about that in interviews. Um, it's really, really good. I am a person who has really enjoyed Nick Cage throughout his career. I stand up for all of his modern stuff. I watch all the direct video stuff and tell people it's good. But anybody... Uh, Many, many many mainstream critics were upset when he didn't get a nomination for pig last year, uh, kind of talking about what an incredible performance it was from him. And this, as a follow up, I think is very fascinating as well. Uh, I'm excited to see we're in a time now where actors are. We're getting we're getting a really high quality group of actors who are coming up to a time in their career where to make an interesting movie, they might have to have a take on themselves. And some actors are comfortable doing that. And some actors are not comfortable doing that. Um, introspection is not everyone's strongest suit. Um, I think
3: for you example, I'll be right? Really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For example,
0: I think Bill J-C-B-B. Murray, I think Bill Murray got really interesting once he was willing to kind of reckon with what Bill Murray was. Right. Um, this is Nick Cage reckoning with Nick Cage and it's fascinating. Um, And just a really, really good movie to boot. Uh, So check it out. Uh, Fred, you and Jack both have picks about Legacy. Jack, let's start with yours. Alrighty. Uh,
2: So my number three pick is another uh, Japanese animated television program. This one is not really styled like most, though. Um, It's called Ranking of Kings. Uh, It is about a young prince to a nation um who who is the son of the strongest king in the world in a world where there is a literal leaderboard called the ranking of kings that determines objectively that his dad is the strongest king in the world um the boy however is very small and uh deaf and mute uh so he it's sort of about living up, like Riley said, to the legacy of his father, learning some of the darker secrets about how his father became so powerful uh, and competing against his half brother and uh, Fran favorite for the throne, uh, Prince Dida. So it, it's pretty good uh, and it starts off a little slow, but by the end, you just really root for this little champion
0: to get everything that he deserves. Fred, what does your number three pick say about kind of, you know, dynasty?
3: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, my number three pick is Destiny's The Witch Queen expansion. Uh, And kind of themed with what a lot of my picks are now that I'm realizing it, it really kind of blurs the line between good and evil again. (laughs) 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 It... Yeah, uh, in the beginning of the year, I had COVID, so I spent like just a week at home, not being able to do anything except for sit on my couch. And so I went through and started playing all of the Destiny expansions that I had missed. And then this one came out, and I just continued on. And it kind of jumped the Destiny story forward in a really interesting way, where the one of the more evil the races that you know, there's like four big ones in the Destiny universe. One of the more evil, one of the might not have been so evil and they might have been tricked by something that actually is evil. And it kind of it just throws a different type of light on one of the big bads in the series. And the whole there's actually a really great like fan made video called Dynasty Rally. I don't know if you saw that or were alluding. No, to that. I didn't but, know that at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it was, it was really good. Um, but yeah, it so it really takes one of the most you know stereotypical evil characters and throws them in a very different light and it's just good it's it's good i think it fred you know, i haven't played it since destiny one have they revealed that the
2: traveler is evil yet
3: that's kind of what they were doing
2: okay because that did and, seem like where we were going with this
3: yeah and it's not so much the traveler is evil it's like the traveler doesn't give a shit about you as a person mm. well it is right? a giant so, like, moon Right. So the, it's a the traveler like really. I
0: was Fred <laughs> I'm saying the theme I'm seeing in Fred's list is yeah. superstructures.
3: <laughs> um yeah, no, the traveler uh just kind of like uplifts people, but then when the going gets tough, the traveler gets going. Um Sure. And just sort of leaves everyone to their favorite.
2: The consequences yeah. of my actions.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um and then for whatever I'm of the there's a lot of like theories about why the traveler stayed I'm of the theories that humanity shot it and kept it from staying <laughs> from like leaving because uh, that's how I interpret the evidence but yeah uh, no so the uh, the entire expansion is one of the big bads trying to steal the traveler and you realize that the traveler was totally fine with it and was like actively giving one of the most quote unquote evil characters in this whole universe the same powers that I gave you and you're like, well, wait, why is that? And you find, yeah, the Traveler doesn't care. Traveler just wants to fight Traveler's enemy, and will use anyone it can to do it. So there you go, Jack. Kind of yes. Yeah, but also the Traveler's goals are more aligned with living than Than with not,
2: the so. evil race of dark zombies that's coming after it. Uh,
3: Deepak, have you no, understood no. any of this? No, I tuned out five minutes ago. <laughs> It's probably fair. I, I, we do not have time for me to talk about destiny.
1: <laughs> now, if you want to talk about the concept of destiny,
3: we Get can it. do that.
0: That's better. That's better than what my transition was. So go for <laughs> it.
1: You asking me to do mine? I mean, yeah. I just I Are was we on three or two. We're on three, right? We're
0: on threes. And you're number three. I'm just surprised to see an Amazon ranking up this high. They don't yeah. usually. I'm excited, though. Tell me about it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, all the old knives. It's the uh, Chris Pine, Thandaway Newton, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, and Jonathan Price movie uh, that I think Amazon dropped maybe in March. Um, It's like a spy thriller uh, based on a book that I've not read, but it's a very slow burn, more people talking, not like the James Bond, Jason Bourne kind of spy stuff. Um, but it's very uh, surprising. It's kind of got that, uh, I think, like the Nolan thing of you're presented with visual information that you don't quite understand. And then as the pieces of the kind of jumps back and forth in time a bunch, and as the pieces fall into place, things make sense. And then it's kind of a twist at the end. Um, so I, it's not the greatest movie in the world, but I think in in a time where, I mean, there's been a lot of good movies out, but I'm sort of not a theater goer anymore, so I wait for streaming. So when I'm sitting around at home waiting for things to hit streaming, this stood out as a very, very good movie that I saw. So, all the old knives, it's on Prime for free. Uh, check it out. Yeah,
0: I gotta go look at this one. I saw this on your list and actually almost watched it last night, but instead fell asleep watching Rescue Rangers again.
1: I uh, mean, as, as one does. <laughs> it's
0: a good movie. Didn't make my list. We'll talk about it. Uh, we're on the number twos. And Jack, Deepak's out here solving mysteries <laughs> on streaming services. Why don't you talk about a mystery on a streaming service? Yeah, sure. For a minute? So uh,
2: already alluded to the my number two pick, Benjamin Button. It's Severance. Uh, Riley's number four pick. Um, it's a good show. We already covered the general premise. Uh, to get a little more in depth, just for like the first episode to keep away from spoilers, some of the cooler and more like creepy moments for me are like when uh, a new hire like asks to leave and they take her to the door and she gets to walk out, but then immediately comes back in and her in the office doesn't remember why she turned around and came back in. So clearly she has a strong reason for wanting to stay here, but can't understand what that reason is. Um, There's, there's a scene at the end where our main character got uh, cut on his head at work uh, and when he gets to his car, he finds a note explaining the cut where the company lies about how it happened. Um, and they
0: give him a gift card.
2: Yeah, and they give him a gift card to like what is clearly a, a restaurant that they like own the franchise rights to. Um, his boss uh, is really creepy and like gives these weird motherly vibes for the fir- whole time we first see her, and then is revealed to be secretly posing well i guess not secretly posing is his neighbor and is secretly pretending to just be a very different type of woman to like spy on him and make sure i guess the operation goes well so i don't he
0: can't recognize her right because because he doesn't
2: remember her from work
0: um and deepak to sell you specifically on this it's patricia arquette Mm mm-hmm
2: Uh, So there's a lot. I think it's really good at establishing like what makes this premise interesting in the first episode uh, while it's introducing all of the characters. So uh, if you weren't sold on it already, that's my my brief synopsis for for some of the creepy vibes that you can (laughs) expect from the show, which is what I'm watching it for. It was also call
0: out to. Oh, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say it it was also the show I got Apple uh, streaming for. So there you go.
0: Yeah. I'll just call it two more cool moments um, that I didn't want to get into earlier because I wanted mm-hmm. Jack to have write a first refusal. Um, there's a sequence where a character has a really, really bad day at work and like storms off out of the elevator. And then because she can only remember being at work, the next thing she sees is the elevator doors open and she's back at work. Right. She like has no time to like decompress. Um, yeah. And like that's just when you get it. Right. And you're like, oh, this sucks. Um and the other thing I wanted to say, which is the Stiller, um, they wrote, I think, 11 episodes, but episode nine ends very dramatically. And Stiller just made the directorial decision that they were only going to do nine.
2: Huh. I so have no idea he was have... even involved, to be honest.
0: Yeah, he's the director. And, uh yeah, so they have the first two episodes of next season in the can, and they're ready to go. And it's just like that storytelling beat, where it ends, I feel like is part of what makes it so good. So I don't want to say anything else about it, but the ending is of the season is just so strong. Um, Fred, no mystery would be complete without the world's greatest detective.
3: Yeah, so my number two, it's kind of... Uh, he's not a super well-known character, uh, but... Yeah, you know, he his parents are murdered when he's real young, and he kind of takes that to heart. You'd say, so "What's he, his financial situation?" He's well off. Oh, okay. well off. It's never explicit, um, but he's comfortable. I, it, he seems comfortable.
1: Now, when you say "heart" uh, and you say he's wealthy, I'm assuming you're talking about Kevin Hart. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming um, you're he's talking taller. about a movie in which Kevin Hart plays the world's greatest detective. Sherlock Holmes. And that is now the DC multiverse movie I need. <laughs> Go ahead and <laughs> talk about the Batman. <laughs> the Batman. Uh yeah, no, it's it was a really good Batman movie.
3: Um I feel like it like distanced itself from all the other Batman movies by being more about like a murder mystery and like kind of figuring out the mystery behind all of it. Like I think that was the real focus of this movie, in my opinion. And I think it was. That part was well done. Um, I kind of like how the Batman goes from being trying to scare all the criminals to actually trying to give the people of Gotham hope. And I think that that was like a real interesting transition that they did uh, by the end of it. Um, His use of Venom was unexpected and kind of terrifying, but really cool. Or no, is it Venom? Is that the thing that he
0: used? I think we're supposed to assume that it's
3: Venom. Okay. Okay. I wanted to make sure I had the right drug in mind. Oh I'd
0: yeah, in the narrative, like that they would be if it was him. But like yeah. yeah, I think I kind of took that to be the Joker card at the end of the movie, right? Where like so it's
3: Bane mm-hmm. next, I guess? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, we'll see. Uh, Wait, but no, oh, I
1: thought I missed that.
3: Oh yeah, when he's on like the Raptors. When that
0: guy's gonna kill Catwoman at the end and he's like down for the count, he injects himself with venom.
1: Oh, it didn't even occur to me that that's a Bane connection. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's what I'm here for, folks. Yeah. (laughs) Obscure comic book minutia.
3: (laughs) But no, I thought that, like, I was real happy to see that it distanced itself enough from all the other Batmans that we've seen. Mm -hmm. I thought it was well done. I thought the fighting was really cool. Uh, Whatever his suit is made out of appears to be magic. But other than that, like, (laughs) I thought it was really good. It's,
0: um... It's like how, Fred, you know how in Harry Potter, Harry Potter can't die because his mom was so sad oh. about loving him? That's yeah. why he has the gun his that killed him. mom was
1: so sad about loving him. Isn't that that's a Harry really Potter good description die. of what happened? <laughs> that is, isn't that? <laughs> You've you boiled down the essence of seven Harry Potter novels into one beautiful line of dialogue. I feel like that's what those books <laughs> end up being. <laughs> anyway, that's why you know he has how Harry Potter can't die because his mom, <laughs> his was mom so loved sad. him
2: so but goddamn him. much. and was so
0: sad. Yeah. I wish that's I why could he- quit you. That's why he has the gun, Joe Chill's gun, in his chest, but right? it's a similar effect. <laughs>
3: But so I don't do we know that that's Joe Shen because he no, takes just, that
0: out and uses it. They just put right? it out there as like a yeah, yeah. whatever. People got all excited about a thing.
3: Yeah. No, it that's like his batarang. Like he yeah. took it. it
0: People need to chill with that. Yeah. Hey, now you need to chill with that. And I like. No, let's not fight. Deepak, I really like this because you and I like got each other presents for our number twos. So you do yours first. You give me your present first and
1: then I'll give you mine. Well, just as a matter of policy, I give Riley a present every time I take a number two. got <laughs> to we gotta that, wrap and this up. <laughs> just the way it was phrased, Riley, you're in a room. I know, it, I right? know. And yet again, Deepak gave me a gift when he took a number two. Um, uh, my number two is The House, where I took the number two. No, um, it's a H- Netflix H- movie called The House. It's uh, something I stumbled across randomly one night a few months ago. Um, it's like an animated triptych. Uh, it's divided into like three 30-minute segments for a total of Was 90 this minutes. this
2: 2022?
1: Is, yeah. I remember this. Uh, well, it may have come out elsewhere before 2022, but it's a US Netflix release on their, in their mind, it says 2022, so I'm counting it. Um, and each of these tales is like a kind of fable, morality play, children's story, but not necessarily for kids I think kids can watch it but it might be a little creepy Um, especially the first story um, is a little dark Um, but I was blown away by it especially because uh, Riley and I talk a lot about animation and how I'm sort of out of the game these days because uh, aside from the occasional like kind of avant-garde thing like a Walkers or Into the Spider-Verse or Tintin or something I tend to just kind of not be into the Pixar DreamWorks stuff. And this is not that. This is something that's obviously very, very – I think it's the same people that did the animation for uh, some of the Leica stop motion or maybe the Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think it's the the same people that did the Wes Anderson stuff. Um, but it's really, really good. Um, definitely worth a watch. It's a quick watch. Um, and it's one of the more interesting things you'll see of late, uh, streaming or otherwise. So The House on Netflix.
0: Jack, you know, you know of it. You want to add any –
2: I know of it. I actually have not watched it. I've just seen it. Um, But I've been meaning to for a long time. I never quite could parse. I did think it was one story. So the fact that it's three separate stories makes a few things make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it almost reminds me of, like, Love, Death, and Robots, which is another thing that came out this year. I haven't watched and thought about putting on uh, in that it's just, like, almost it leverages the animation to help with the creepy, like, uncanny valley of it all.
1: Yes. Seems pretty effective. David Fincher directs an episode in the new season. Oh, cool.
0: So, Deepak, you got me a stop motion animated Netflix streaming movie, and I got you a Indian action streaming movie because my number two is Triple R, aka Rise, War, Revolt. For anybody not in the know, Triple R is the most movie you can fit into three hours. It's available on Netflix now. It is. I think now officially the biggest movie in Indian cinema. Three hours is already a lot of movie to cram maximum movie density into. But let me just, okay. So, Deepak, you're going to need to kind of spot me here. Mm -hmm. But it is, I think, kind of the biggest director currently working in South Indian cinema. partnering Uh, Partnering with the two biggest actors currently working in South Indian cinema. And probably yeah. and all of their names start with R, which is why it's called triple R. Like they started with that just as a marketing gimmick to get people excited about the movie. Oh, And
1: then they kind of backed themselves into the they made the title work
0: in every language so that it could yeah. always start with the same like sound. Mm-hmm. And that is the philosophy that this entire movie takes to establish one. of This is not a spoiler. This is in opening scene that establishes who a character is right there's a one of our main characters he's a police officer the story is uh one of these characters is a police officer one of them is like a rebel but then in real life they become best friends and boy do they and then <laughs> and then they realize that they are working at odds with each other but maybe they're not maybe they're actually aligned that's what the movie's about so to introduce this police officer character he's in the yard of the police station, it takes place in India during British colonial rule. And so he's at this police station, and the police station has a big barbed wire fence, and surrounding it on all sides is this huge riot of just hundreds of people, like banging down the fences or whatever. They're very upset because someone's been arrested. Uh, this all, all there A lot of the names are from actual Indian history, but all of the story is bullshit. Um, so <laughs> Somebody throws a rock and it hits a picture of the king or whoever in the police station. And this guy's like way, way back in the crowd. And the white police chief yells to all of his white police officers, go get him. And nobody goes. And this Indian guy, it's just like a 10 minute scene of him. It's like what we would refer to as a hallway scene, but it's just him wading through this sea of guys, like in Game of Thrones, just fighting them all one at a time until he gets the dude and brings him back. And that's just like, here, we need to tell you who this guy is. The other character's introduction involves fighting a tiger. And then, like I say, they become best friends and they do a lot of awesome, awesome stuff together. It sounds like they, they were a lot, a lot- common. They were... <laughs> I described it to Deepak by saying that the action is like if Zack Snyder would just loosen up and have some fun every once in a while. And the uh, uh, the romance, though brief, is very compelling. This movie does kind of just take 30 minutes out in the middle to be a rom-com real quick. Um, The musical numbers are awesome. Uh, I compared it to kind of. Spielberg's handling of West Side Story in how they just kind of, you know, and this is more common in in Eastern cinema in general, kind of are comfortable taking a step back and just letting a scene play out and letting it be beautiful. Um, And it's on Netflix and it's great. And if you're choosing not to watch it, you're choosing to live a less good life than you could be living. Mm. So I don't know what else to tell you. But now we're going on to number ones. And we're going to start with my number one because it's the only one that's already come up. Um, my number one is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I don't understand why it's not going to just win Best Picture. I think it was incredible. Um, as Jack said, it's a, it's it's all the movies. <laughs> uh, kind of the point. It's from the directors of Swiss Army Man, the movie in which uh, hmm. Daniel Radcliffe that's the one plays where a corpse. Harry
3: Potter's mother yeah i didn't love him enough
0: and he (laughs) turned into a corpse yeah um it's about i mean yeah the plot of it is that evelyn wang has to file her taxes and also you know love her daughter and it plays out in the form of an incredibly important interdimensional multi-reality cosmic dream ballet um Kind of in the vein of how apparently you can only make Martin Scorsese movies now if they are about the Joker. Um, Daniels, the directing team behind this movie, decided that they wanted to make a Wong Kar Wai movie. um, But in order to do that, they had to dress it up uh, like Into the Spider-Verse. And boy, did they. It freaking rips ass. It's so good. Everyone should watch it. It's amazing. I want to see it a hundred times. It rips ass, Deepak. Ass is ripped ass is ripped in this film um it's so 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 good uh I think all three actors in the main roles should be nominated for Oscars this year I don't I can't accept a world where they aren't um it's beautiful and poignant and funny and dramatic and there's a sequence in which a guy because of plot reasons has to stick a trophy in his butt and then they fight a whole fight with butt plugs and and hot... So it
3: does,
1: in fact, rip ass.
0: Yeah, As I told you, ass is ripped. There's hot dog fingers.
1: Oh, man, so they're really putting things every, everywhere all at once. I guess.
0: Yeah, there's hot. Let me. There's a mult. There's a universe that's introduced where people have hot dog fingers, and you're like, oh, this is just a funny kind of thing but to now, do. Then it is. And by by the end, you will be crying about the hot dog fingers. I can't even tell you the best joke in the movie because I don't want you to have the idea in your brain before you see the movie. Yeah, but... that's
1: how it should work. No, but
0: that's, I can't even say anything about what the every joke's movie about. Be, Riley. But Jack, it's, it's about a Pixar movie. You know that joke they make? <laughs> that's the best that's thing Pixar I've ever seen fans. in a movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> so, yeah, it's everything everywhere all at once. Go watch it. Uh, next up, Deepak. It's time to say goodbye to an old friend.
1: God, it hurts. Uh, my number one is Better Call Saul. It's got to be the best show on TV right now. Probably the best show for a while. Now, um, here's the thing, Deepak. This
2: is a real opportunity because I have heard an enormous amount about this show and I know nothing about it other than that it's mm-hmm. great and that it's about um, that other show. Breaking Bad. Yeah, which I also didn't watch. And I thought that that would be a, a an insurmountable hurdle. So why why no, should I, think- I, as someone who doesn't care for that show, watch this show?
1: Because it is still, um, it's still an interesting character drama about like the descent of a guy who is sort of constantly swimming upstream to live a straight and narrow life, and why he chooses to make decisions, and the people who influence him to make decisions that ultimately lead him to becoming this kind of sleazebag lawyer that he becomes in Breaking Bad. I don't think you need to have seen Breaking Bad. I'm sure there are references that will make more sense with the context of Breaking Bad. And the thing that Better Call Saul does is as a prequel, there are still um, segments of it at the beginning of each season that take place um, chronologically after Breaking Bad itself is even over. See, I didn't even Um, know that, that it
2: was a prequel. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, so uh, we're getting up to the point now where things are about to sync up between the two shows and then Better Call Saul again chronologically will surpass breaking bad um but we are now in the middle of a 7 week break uh, there's the 13 episode final season they've done 7 there's 6 left the 7th one ended in a way that was shocking to the point of a, a character dying and it felt like a, a real person died um yeah unbelievable show and if you're not watching it now there's nothing I'm going to say that can convince you but uh yeah, hopefully there's people that are just waiting for it to end so they can binge it on Netflix, and I hope they do, because it's awesome. Better Call Saul, number one so far. With a bullet. And it'll probably be number one at the end of the year, too,
0: to be <laughs> honest. So. That's fine. That's fine. Like Jack says, some things, we like the stability sometimes. Now, speaking of stability and predictability and hmm. having each other to lean on Fred, Jack, you guys have the same number one. Yeah. Just... We're going to talk later on this month. You, The three of us are going to circle up and not have Deepak making us move on from video game stuff. And we're going to really, really Those explore. Those damn video
1: games are ruining America.
0: <laughs> we're going to really explore this one. But just give the people the highlights here.
1: Here's
2: the thing. I don't think it's... I probably don't think it's as good as Fred does. Um, but I cannot ignore the fact that it is unquestionably the single piece of entertainment media I have spent by far the most time like in ingesting and thinking about and talking about and uh, it is Elden Ring. Um,
3: I was wondering when we were actually going to say what it was. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) I, I have never played. I tried to play a few of the Soulsborne games before and I could never get into them for various reasons. This is the first one that really hooked me. Um, And it's it's very uh, addictive. It's it's just a very fun little gameplay loop they found. I think the rest of the game could use a lot more work around the one thing that it does extraordinarily well. I think the story is really interesting. Um, And yeah, I just I would not have felt right, even if I do think it has flaws, not acknowledging that it has been the best like bang for my buck in terms of entertainment this year by far.
3: Yeah, um, as far as Souls games go, I think this is, I probably have the most experience on this on this podcast with Souls games. Um, this one's good. <laughs> uh, I, I like the open world aspect of it. Um, I've always kind of loved Souls games because the item descriptions give you just like a little bit of extra lore. And you kind of just kind of go gathering for that to find the real secrets of the world that you're in. And it's never really explained to you because in the end, like you don't matter in the Souls world games. Um, But like this one, because it's so big, you can just explore everything. And I'm like 100 hours in. I still haven't completely finished my first playthrough just because I'm going through every little crack that I can find just to, you know, piece things together and figure out everything. Fred's going through every
1: crack he can find
3: every crack every crack yeah try finger sequel um it's just it's just a really big game and it's really fun um i like the world that they built i find it real interesting that people keep talking about the story cuz i feel like the story is ambiguous um like no one really knows what happened on particular oh. very big events oh we'll get into it i got and diagrams I, oh no I, people have theories and a lot of the pieces like Say this is what probably happened, but all of the Souls games have always been really kind of ambiguous about who maybe the best person is or who the villain probably that is. Like it's not the, there's
2: still definite
3: lore and twists in the story. Yeah, it's there, but like, I don't think anyone can this point to a single character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, good game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Fred, really would you say this is the best of the Souls game, like the most well-executed Souls game that you have played? Uh,
3: eh. I mean, it's executed differently than Dark Souls 3, and that makes it hard for me to tell you exactly. Well, this is, yeah, I this is something that I thought would
0: be interested to talk about here is just Yeah. Because, um, yeah, so like it's so excessive, like people like Jack and I can get really into it, right? Yeah. But does that take away from you getting into it?
3: It doesn't take away from for me. Um, I think it's just different. Uh, the the good example i use for Dark Souls 3, there's a hard gap. You have to beat the first boss before you even have the option of leveling up. Like, that is not... Like, you don't even unlock the ability to level up until you beat the first boss of Dark Souls 3. And it's the one where I'm always like, hey, I'll give you $100 if you can beat this boss first try. Yeah, that's the, right? uh, it's um,
2: the weird ball of hands that you fight in the first 10 minutes of Elden Ring. But there you just move straight on when you die.
3: Yeah, but like so you can although you can you tailor Elden, Elden, Elden Ring's difficulty to try, how you, you can play cool and I don't think you could
0: do that with the Dark Souls games. Deepak, the bad guys in this game all look like they're out of Crimes of Future Past. or er, Crimes of the Future. I said Crimes of Future Past because my brain is broken from too many X-Men. This has been Nerd It Here Weekly. Thank you so much for listening. We do hope you'll come back. You can head over to NAHF.com to subscribe to the newsletter and the podcast. As always, big thank you to Wiki Rascals for all of our logo and artwork. Uh, You can find us at Nerd It Here First on all the various socials. And uh, yeah, as always, don't forget to tune in next week to hear what Western culture would be like if Jesus had skateboarded.